my dear listeners, and welcome to Counter Melody. It is I, your host, Daniel Gundlach. And as always, I'm committed to bringing you the voices of beloved singers, often focusing on unexpected facets of their artistry. You will also be hearing less celebrated but equally treasurable artists who deserve our attention and respect. I'm honored to have you join me on this ongoing mutual journey of discovery. And now, without any further ado, let's get down to today's business. Great singers and great singing. Hi everyone, this is an episode that in a very significant way I wish that I didn't have to do. A few hours after I posted last week's Kathy Barbarian episode, I received the sad news that Krista Ludwig had died the day before at the age of 93 in her home in Austria. Thank you. 
That was Krista Ludwig, accompanied by Jonathan Alder, singing one of my favorite Schubert songs, Im Abendrot, at twilight, in a live recording from Zürich in November of 1980. In recent years, I have read sassy, opinionated interviews with her, in which she expressed her distaste with the way that the business is running these days, had some choice cranky things to say about some of the biggest superstars of the day, as well as some rather shocking revelations to make about colleagues that she had worked with and didn't care for. This is just to say that she had a life force in her that seemed to be indomitable, but of course, alas, was not. I've put together an episode today that will be the first of several that I'll be posting over the next few months, because this is an artist who simply cannot be summed up in one single countermelody episode. That's for damn sure. I've compiled a set list today that I hope will give you some hint of the enormity of her impact her superb voice, her immense talent. I won't spend a lot of time giving biographical details of Christa Ludwig today. I think everybody knows about the hardship in which she grew up. Germany, World War II, growing up in such a context is bound to influence a person as they enter adulthood. Both of Christa Ludwig's parents were singers, and it's not insignificant that her mother sang Strauss under the baton of a very young Herbert von Karajan, who will figure later in the episode. Listeners to my podcast will remember the episodes that I've done on what I called full-figured Baroque, and Christa Ludwig was one of the supreme exponents of that kind of Baroque singing because this is an episode in memoriam, and because I do love this aria so much, I'm going to offer you a portion of the Schlafe mein Liebster aria from the second cantata of the Weihnachtsoratorium of Bach. In this 1965 recording, Christa Ludwig is led by Karl Richter, conducting the Münchner Bach Orchestra.
Chris Dundledvich could actually sing anything and everything. That's sort of the point of this episode, to show you how superbly she sang her chosen repertoire in particular. But there were also side trips into other repertoire. For instance, in 1962, at the Wiener Staatsoper, she sang the title role in La Cenerentola, or, God forbid, they probably called it Aschenputtel, because it was sung in German. But they were led by the Italian maestro Alberto Erede, whom some of you probably have encountered before. I'm going to play you the non più mesta from the finale of that performance from the 3rd of September, 1962. The solo voices in the chorus include many Staatsoper standbys, including Waldemar Kment, Karl Dönch, Emil Lose, and the man to whom Christa Ludwig was at that time married, Walter Berry. herself did not have a great love for pants rolls. She was explicit about that on a number of occasions. I personally think that her greatest Mozart role was Dorabella. In her singing, there is this element of the live wire, the loose cannon. She always has this palpitating energy going through her sound. I find it really, really exciting and invigorating. And this quality perfectly suits Dorabella's impetuous nature. 
She performed Dorabella many times, recorded it twice, and we are also lucky to have a number of live recordings that are extant. All of them reveal that same palpitating vocal quality, as well as an enormous sense of fun, playfulness, and spontaneity. I'm going to play you the opening duet with the ideally cast Fiordiligi of Gundula Janowitz, Her magisterial coolness is so perfectly contrasted with that quality that I was discussing about Ludwig's highly energetic delivery. In 1970, a film was made of the opera, which featured those two with an early mentor of Christa Ludwig's, Karl Böhm, conducting the Wiener Philharmonika.
Christa Ludwig was also a master, and I mean matchless, in the Zwischenfach roles in the Wagner canon. For instance, Venus, Brangene, Kundry. We're not hearing any of those gals today, but I am going to feature a scene from Act Two of Lohengrin, in which she sings the most malevolent and thrilling Ortrude that I think has ever been heard. This is a role that really brings out the best in many different singers, but I don't think anyone can top Christa Ludwig. This is the beginning of the scene between Ortrud, who represents the primeval ur-forces of the earth, and Elsa, the innocent and somewhat dim-witted, frankly, heroine whom Ortrud and her husband Telramund have been seeking to destroy. Their efforts have been thwarted by the arrival of the swan knight Lohengrin. In this scene, Ortrud attempts to cast doubt into the mind of Elsa about the purity of intention of that very swan knight. Elsa is in her tower. Ortrud calls to her. They exchange a few words and Elsa decides that she's going to come down and meet Ortrud on the ground floor, so to speak. The moment that she is out of earshot, Ortrud summons all the primal gods to help her in her effort to conquer and destroy Elsa and all that her Christian faith represents. What we're going to hear is a live performance from the Teatro Colón in Buenos Aires. The conductor is the highly regarded Croatian maestro Lovro von Matacic. You might be surprised to hear that the Elsa in this recording is Victoria de Los Angeles. This is not a repertoire that we associate with her, but she did do quite a bit of Strauss and Wagner, including the production of Tannhäuser, in which Grace Bumbry made her Bayreuth debut. This performance is from 1964, so it's just a couple years later, and this is no insult to De Los Angeles, but I think she captures the supremely clueless aspect of Elsa, much in the same way that Christa Ludwig perfectly captures the evil nature and intent of Ortrud. You can hear the audience can simply not hold in their enthusiasm.
One composer with whom Christa Ludwig is not really associated, although she sang any number of his operas, is Giuseppe Verdi. She sang everything from Ulrika to Lady Macbeth. Parts at which she particularly excelled were Eboli in Don Carlo, Azucena in Trovatore, and, as we're going to hear, Amneris in Aida. This is a positively thrilling moment from the beginning of Act Two of the opera, it's the confrontation between Amneris and her slave, Aida, whom she does not realize is also an Ethiopian princess in captivity. Amneris is suspicious that Aida has been hanging around a little too much with Amneris's boyfriend, Radames, and she is intent on discovering just what is going on between those two. So she lies and tells Aida that Radames has been killed in combat, and when she sees Aida's frantic response, she then turns on a dime and tells her, you know what? <laughs> I was just kidding. He's actually alive. And when Aida explodes in gratitude, then Amneris knows. And she tells her, in no uncertain terms, this is my man. Back off, bitch. <laughs> this performance is from the Deutsche Oper in Berlin, conducted by Karl Böhm, who was one of the three conductors that Christa Ludwig revered and delighted in the most. Her partner in this scene is the African-American soprano Gloria Davy, who had recently, at the time of this performance, come over to Germany to have a life and career in Europe. During Black History Month 2020, I did a full episode on Gloria Davy. If that interests you, by all means, go check her out. She's a fascinating artist and a multifaceted one as well. Vis-a-vis -vis Gloria Davy as Aida, in my earlier episode about her, I expressed some doubt about her viability as Aida, since the voice had perhaps not perfect technical control or vocal sheen such as is required for the role. But in this confrontation scene, the two rivals meet on equal ground, and I have to say, it's pretty damn exciting. And I love her high C. The opera's sung in German here, but I don't think it loses any of its impact. Oh, <laughs> 
Christo Ludwig represents what the Germans would call a Zwischenfach and what the French would refer to as a Falcon. And I don't know what we Americans would call it. Just somebody who could sing absolutely anything. We're going to sample Christo Ludwig in a number of soprano roles. Let's see how many do I have here for you today. One, two, three, four. And they were among her very greatest roles. There are people out there who, in the days following Christa Ludwig's death, people who know a lot more about singing, people who have a much broader and deeper understanding of vocal art, who have stated that they're not fans of Christa Ludwig in the soprano repertoire. To which I simply respond, if ignorance is bliss, then I am blissful in my ignorance because I love Christa Ludwig in so much of the soprano repertoire. It may have precipitated a vocal crisis in the mid-1970s, but she was a very, very, very smart singer and very technically grounded. I'll have more to say about that later on, but I'm going to play you right now the so-called Bible scene from Wozzeck. This is the scene in which a penitent and regretful Marie reads from the Bible from the scene in which Jesus confronts the prostitute and says, I forgive you, just go forth and sin no more. And of course, she's been having an illicit affair with a drum major, much to the distress of her common-law husband, Wozzeck. Their child is in the room with her, and she begins to relate a fairy tale to him in which there is a child that is orphaned and is wandering the earth unattended and unloved, and then she goes completely haywire and reads to herself about the story of Mary Magdalene. It's a wonderful, wonderful scene, and Christa Ludwig was a hell of a Marie. This is not the first soprano role that she took on, and it's not one that she sang with great frequency, but it is a very powerful performance. Leopold Ludwig conducts this performance from the Wiener Staatsoper in May 1963, which, by the way, also starred Christa Ludwig's husband at the time, Walter Berry.
hat keinen Vater und keine Mutter, war alles tot und war niemand auf der Welt. Und es hat One of Christa Ludwig's most transcendent soprano roles was as Leonore in Fidelio. She sang the role for, I would say, almost 10 years. Of course, there's the famous 1962 EMI recording with John Vickers and Otto Klemperer conducting. I love the versions conducted both by Herbert von Karajan, who was another early mentor of Christa Ludwig's, who partnered with her throughout her performing career. But Karl Böhm stated many times that Fidelio was his favorite opera, and I think when Christa Ludwig performed with him, which she did in Salzburg and at the Met and other places, I think the results are mind-blowingly good. You hear a woman at the very end of her rope, and you hear a singer at the very edge of her vocal resources, but never passing over into sheer wildness or lack of control. That is because Christa Ludwig was so well guided by her voice teacher, who, by the way, was her mother. If I'm not mistaken, her mother had also sung this role. 
This is a live recording from Salzburg in 1968, in which Karl Böhm is leading the Wiener Philharmonika and Christa Ludwig is giving what I think might be her very best performance of Leonore. <laughs> Thank you. 
another role of Christa Ludwig's that was indisputably in the soprano range was that of the Färberin, or the dyer's wife, in Richard Strauss's Die Frau ohne Schatten. She sang this role over more than 10 years under the batons of Herbert von Karajan and primarily Karl Böhm. In fact, when the Met premiered the piece in 1966, it featured Karl Böhm conducting and a quartet of singers that has never been equaled. Leonie Riesenek as the Empress, the Kaiserin, James King as the Emperor, the Kaiser, Walter Berry as Barak, the Dyer, and Christa Ludwig as the Färberin, the Dyer's wife. For nearly ten years, this group of four sang this opera on many different stages and contributed to it becoming a repertory piece. I'm going to offer you the scene that opens the third act, in which Barak and his wife, after having had a knock em down drag em out fight at the end of Act 2, appear at different places on the stage, unaware of each other, and sing about their regret and their desire to make up. So, from 1955 to 1970, Christa Ludwig and Walter Berry were married. I'm not sure that it was a particularly happy marriage. There was a lot of competition. There were personality conflicts and professional jealousies and rivalries, but I think they made amazing music together. And even after they divorced, they continued to appear together. So what we have here are two different performances. One with Herbert von Karajan from the Wiener Staatsoper. That is from June of 1964. The opening part of the scene where the Dyer's wife, the Färberin, is alone is from that performance. And then there comes one of the great Straussian melodies that's called Mir Anvertraut, in which Barak appears and, after having threatened to kill his wife at the end of Act Two, is, just as she is, feeling enormous regret and hoping for a reunion and an opportunity to make up for his behavior. From that moment on, we hear a performance from Salzburg from November 1974. This was the very last time, as far as I have been able to determine, that Christa Ludwig sang the role of the Dyer's wife. What is remarkable, though, is that over the course of these 10 years, you hear very little change in her vocal delivery. She was a singer that took chances, and she combines an intensity such as one encounters with singers like Brigitte Fassbinder or from a later generation, Waltraut Meyer, with a singer who has such technical awareness as I propose that those other two singers didn't, and many other singers since who have taken on these roles, lacked that critical vocal self-knowledge. That performance is conducted by Karl Böhm. Compare what Christa Ludwig sounded like in June 64, as opposed to November 1974.
I think my favorite soprano role of Christa Ludwig's was the Marshallin. It was also, in a way, her most controversial, but on the other hand, it also was a part which 
because it demands the attention to language that only a leader singer can bring, was something that she was almost preordained to take on. The reason I say it was controversial is because her voice retained a mezzo-soprano color. She never pretended to be anything but a mezzo-soprano, but she had the capability because of her thrilling top notes and her very solid technique to take on roles that mezzos normally can't come within 50 miles of. It's interesting that when she first sang the Marshallin, she did it under the baton of Leonard Bernstein, who was her other great conductor collaborator and with whom she felt an enormous musical kinship. He was also, as we all know, a supremely self-indulgent conductor, but in spite of that, he can tap into the humanity of the music in a way which other more Apollonian conductors perhaps don't. What we're going to hear today is the magnificent trio from Act 3, which is, of course, launched by the Marshallin as she sings Hab mir's gelobt, ihm lieb zu haben in dem richtigen Weis. I always promised myself that I would love him in the best way. She is completely aware that her affair with the young, hot-headed Count Octavian has come to an end, and that she is, in effect, bequeathing him to the young Sophie. When Christa Ludwig sang the role at the Wiener Staatsoper in the spring of 1968, her fellow singers were her soon-to-be ex-husband Walter Berry as Baron Ochs, Gwyneth Jones, the Welsh soprano, as Octavian, and the American soprano Rary Grist as Sophie. Bernstein takes a daringly slow tempo, but all three of the artists are able to ride the crest of these enormously drawn-out phrases. Normally, I get very impatient when conductors take such slow tempi, especially in Rosenkavalier, but there's something about this performance, and I'll tell you what it is. There's not a lot of swooping around with the line. I'm not going to mention any current favorites, but there's a different style of Strauss singing that you hear here. Each of these singers, including, I would suggest, even the problematic Gwyneth Jones, who, by the way, went on to become one of the greatest Marshallins as well. But all three of these artists are able to sing without a lot of swooping around and mooning and swooning and masturbatory self-indulgence. They are portraying characters, and they are doing so in an incredibly vivid and magisterial way.
a featured composer in Christa Ludwig's repertoire that we have not yet discussed is Gustav Mahler. From the very beginning of her career, her earliest recordings are of Mahler songs. And for many, she is the preferred Mahler singer. I certainly love her in a wide range of Mahler. I think that she takes her place alongside Janet Baker. Kathleen Ferrier. I think really those are the three supreme Mahler mezzos to my ear. There are also several others who are just underneath that, but mm. it was Leonard Bernstein who nurtured and fostered Christa Ludwig's interest in and aptitude for the music of Gustav Mahler. They went on to make a number of, pardon the word, but iconic recordings and it was Ludwig who fostered and nurtured von Karian's interest in Mahler. I have here what, if I'm not mistaken, is Karian's first performance of the music of Mahler. That was from December 1970 in Berlin of Das Lied von der Erde, which, let's face it, is the quintessential testament of Mahler's. When Christa Ludwig sang this music under various conductors, whether it be Leonard Bernstein, Karl Böhm, Herbert von Karajan, Carlos Kleiber, Lauren Marcel, Ricardo Muti, and a host of others, she brought a different palette and sensibility each time she returned to this music. This is one of her earlier performances of Das Lied von der Erde, by no means her first, but there's an element between her and Karian of feeling out the music, finding the poetry as they're performing it. This is a performance of the second movement, Der Einsame im Herbst, The Lonely One in Autumn. I'm not always a Karian fan, but I do think that when he was collaborating with the greatest singers such as Christa Ludwig, that it brought out a different kind of depth in his interpretations.
As we heard at the very beginning of this episode, Christa Ludwig was a supreme leader interpreter. She combines the intensity that one encounters with Lotte Lehmann or Brigitte Fassbender with the spontaneity of Irmgard Seyfried. But she is always singing a gorgeous legato line. One of the things that I most admire about her leader singing is that it's nearly always, for me, a perfect balance between supreme vocalism and care and attention to words. This is what made her such a supreme marshalin. This is what made her such a gorgeous Mahler singer. And it is what also made her such a superb leader singer. I haven't done my Patreon spiel yet, so I'll do it at this point. I produce bonus episodes for my Patreon supporters. For those who are able to contribute $2 a month on up, I provide access to a growing library of bonus episodes. Today, I am posting a bonus episode on Krista Ludwig's leader singing, and I feature her in the core repertoire. Schubert, Schumann, Wolf, Strauss, Brahms, with some of the pianists with whom she worked most frequently and most intensely. I have two leader selections to end today's episode. The first is... Johannes Brahms' song von ewige Liebe. This was a central song in Ludwig's Brahms' repertoire. And by the way, just as she excels in Mahler and Strauss and Mozart and Bach and Beethoven, so she excels in Brahms. In some ways, I find it to be the repertoire in which it's almost hard to hear another voice that mocha-colored voice with such a supremely enveloping legato, but always, always, always the verbal acuity that is required in this repertoire. In May 1972, the production company Unitel recorded an evening of Brahms' Lieder live in the Tel Aviv Museum with Christa Ludwig accompanied by Leonard Bernstein. I remember seeing this on public television when it was first broadcast in the U.S. I already knew Christa Ludwig. I knew what a great singer she was. I knew her Mahler work. I knew her Mozart. I knew her Rosenkavalier. And then there was this. This is the glorious song Von ewiger Liebe. This is based on a German folk text, which describes a pair of young lovers walking. The boy says to the girl, If you're ashamed of me, let's just cut it off now and pretend that we never knew each other. And she responds, Our love can never be severed. They say that iron and steel are solid, but our love is still more solid. And over time, even iron and steel can be worn away, but our love will last forever. Yeah.
enjoyed this traversal of some of Christa Ludwig's key repertoire. I look forward to exploring this artist more with you, both on the bonus episode today and in further episodes over the next couple months. Christa Ludwig's final performances took place in the summer of 1993. Some of the lushness of tone is now gone, but that bronzed, burnished quality that was always an essential part of her sound remains and is enhanced by an even greater interpretive depth. The penultimate song that she sang in her last Salzburg concert was Richard Strauss's Morgan. She's accompanied here by Charles Spencer. This profoundly moving song of steadfast and unshakable assurance in a brighter future is something that can light the way for all of us as we move forward through this still very challenging time. Thank you. 
it is quite simply impossible to overestimate the artistic importance of the great Christel Ludwig. I hope that you will join me in wishing her Godspeed and eternal rest. My friends, be like Christa Ludwig and keep the song in your hearts. I'm Daniel Kumplach. <laughs>